You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hello, beautiful listeners. It's your host, Tembi Locke. Welcome to Lifted, a podcast that pulls back the curtain on creativity, resilience, and the extraordinary moments when everything changes. Allegra Michelle Jones is an illustrator, animator, and musician. She is a graduate of California Institute for the Arts with a BFA in experimental animation and has since had her work displayed at Five Car Garage, Slam Dance Film Festival, and in collaboration with FX's Cake. Her work can also be found in From Scratch, as she is the artist behind Amy's exquisite artwork. Allegra is gregarious, insightful, and wildly talented, and her identity as a half-Italian, half-African-American woman is a theme that she explores not only in our show, but also throughout her artistic life. Her parallels to her on-screen artistic persona will definitely surprise you. Well, hello, Allegra Jones. Welcome to the Lifted Podcast. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here and talk with you again. This is awesome. So for listeners, let's tell them how we met, because I think our origin story is kind of interesting, right? Definitely. Definitely. We were scouring, scouring, scouring for like (laughs) artists who could like render, you know, we knew we had this visual medium. We have a main character who's an artist, right? And we were Mm -hmm. like, Okay. And there was a lot of discussion around what is her art going to look like and who inspired it and why is it this way and what medium is it and all the things, right? And I had a loose, vague sort of visual in my head, as I'm sure everyone else on our team did. I'm sure our director did. Everyone had their own kind of vision, right? Mm -hmm. So Laura Fox tells me, I think I found someone. And I'm like, great. (laughs) What I remember hearing was, her name's Allegra Jones. I was like, oh, Allegra, that's interesting. She's with an Italian first name. That's so coincidental. Like literally just thought, she goes, well, yeah, she <laughs> lives in LA and she's an artist. Her mother's Italian. Her dad's African-American. I was like, what is happening? Right? <laughs> How, there's a what? Who? And I was on the other end of yeah. the, all of that, just being like, what is happening? Like this Netflix limited series is kind of about my life. And of course, that was just sort of like the high level of kind of a, you know, an overall description of you. But of course, then when we got to see your art and a link to both, you know, your website and Instagram page, but then you started bringing in the work that would be Amy's and it just moved us. So I want to talk today about your work, but I want to talk about you. I want to talk about your journey and your discoveries. And I think, you know, a lot of what we do in this conversation series is to talk about these moments of lift in our lives. And so I'm curious about the people who've lifted you over the years. Uh So without further ado, shall we dive in? (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. How Um, would you describe your artwork? So I would describe my artwork as a mixture of mediums. And that's something I keep returning to in question in my work is how do I mix different 
skill sets that I have and kind of integrate different passions that I have into more cohesive art forms. And music is just as important to me as art making is and drawing and painting. My grandmother on my Italian side, she taught me how to play piano when I was six years old and she was really, really good at piano. She instilled me with like a love and a passion for music. Like if it weren't for her, I probably wouldn't be playing piano or doing the things musically that I'm doing today or even artistically in terms of drawing and painting. But I learned to play piano when I was six and then I picked up the clarinet and I was 10 years old and I got really serious about the clarinet, like maybe too serious about the clarinet. Um, we like performed on Carnegie Hall when I was like in high school and I was like just all about clarinet. Anyway, it's kind of embarrassing, but I still play clarinet to this day. So it is a little dirty, but the next instrument that I learned how to play was accordion when I was 16 and I was just obsessed with accordions. For some reason, I was really into like the music from Amelie, the movie when I was like in high school. And I was really into like, I don't know, just Balkan music, just weird music. And so my friends threw me a surprise party when I was 16, which is like the best birthday party I've ever had. And they all chipped in and bought me an accordion. So I've been playing accordion since then. I have a tattoo of an accordion. I feel like it's represents me as a symbol. <laughs> this is such a beautiful introduction to you. And I, oh, I, cool. I, it's such a beautiful introduction because already I'm hearing, well, clearly the passion, but also sort of this like cross-disciplinary, immersive approach to your work, right? Be it in the visual medium or as you're sharing now with music. And I want to just back up a little bit to talk about your mm -hmm. Italian grandmother. Yes. That, oh my goodness. That she instilled this love of the piano. What did that look like? Was that like, hey, come sit next to me. I'm going to, you know, let's, you know, hit the keys. So my grandmother, my Sicilian grandmother, my grandmother, Jane, I've always felt like pretty much the strongest connection to her out of any member of my family. And she had eight kids. So I had quite a big Italian family. I had like three or four uncles, but I always felt like the strongest connection with her ever since I was little. And I would listen to her play piano and there were like a couple of songs that I was like, I need to learn this. How can I learn this? And I actually took piano lessons like when I was like five before she taught me. I didn't like the teacher. So I lived with my grandmother for quite a few years and I'd visit her all the time when I wasn't living with her. I'd always like be at the piano when I was little. I just like would be drawn to it. I've been retold a lot of this stuff because I was obviously very young, but I would always be at the piano and sometimes she would come over and I wanted to know how to do like the thing where it goes like all the way down the piano. And like, I wanted to learn how to do all these specific things with the piano. And so my grandmother would teach me. And then I really wanted to learn how to play the song for Elise. And so at that point, my grandmother was like, I just need to start teaching her how to play. We skipped like a lot of the basic stuff. I remember and I felt really proud of it because it was like one of the first pieces I learned because I was just like, teach me that song. And like my grandmother would talk to me about Beethoven because she was really into classical music and opera. Where was she born? She was born in the States. So her mom was the one that immigrated over from Sicily. Her mom was born near Calabria and my grandmother's dad was grew up like right outside Palermo. My mom was saying that he grew up like kind of in Palermo. They like met each other like on the boat. So like my great grandmother would take the boat from Sicily and Calabria and then they would meet each other there. So those are my grandmother's parents. And then they came here. They were 
I don't remember the exact year no, or anything. It's but... <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I ask simply because one of my sort of hobbies and sort of side passions is around the things that get handed down generation to generation. I love sort of family history oh, in definitely. that way. And what I'm hearing is this grandmother who was incredibly musical, who said, hey, let's jump right in at Beethoven. <laughs> like, I got you. I'm going to I'm gonna share this with you, which is, by the way, a mm-hmm. wonderful parlor trick for like a young kid to be able to pull <laughs> oh, out Beethoven definitely. for at least. My daughter at one point mastered, I'm sure she's forgotten it now, but she would like play that and people would be like, ah! you know, it's, it's wonderful. And you get such a beautiful confidence <laughs> oh, definitely. in that song. But, but I digress. What I want to ask about and what I'm curious about is this sort of imprint, right? This artistic imprint mm-hmm. that it seems was coming through that lineage, from certainly from the point of view of a musical background. Would you say on your other side of your family, any of your other ancestors, was there also a visual, a love of the visual arts? Or is that something that's unique to Allegra? I think the love of the visual arts, I don't think came from like any elder like my aunt or uncle or like my grandparents I mean my grandmother I'm talking about she did a lot of china painting but it's different I think from what I do now for sure but my cousin on my Italian side Elizabeth was really good at art and I always saw her drawing and I just like hopped in there and she like taught me some things and I'd always draw with her what I'm getting is a background of a family who's encouraging. They allow you to jump in. They see the interests that you have. They nurture it. They give you the lessons. Would you say that all of this kind of began to lead toward your professional path or did that come later? I mean, did you always sort of know, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up? Or oh my that, goodness. Because like in the series, you know, it, some people come to it later in life. Some people evolve into it. Some people, their way of expressing themselves creatively is a practice and a hobby perhaps, but it, there's not a goal, an end goal of it being a professional pursuit. When did that emerge for you as, I think this is a career path. That's a great question. My grandmother, I think she was the one that really supported my drawing too, in a special way, but a lot of her kids, like her eight kids, like my aunts and uncles, none of them are really like into art or pursue art. And I was told, especially when I was like in high school and like thinking about applying to schools, that I should look for like career options that when I come out into the work world, I'm going to have a financial stability, you know, and like I can like make a lot of money from like they're like really encouraging me to go towards there because they saw how, you know, I was in high school bands, like marching. <laughs> I was like drawing all the time. I was like, ABR. I was like really pursuing these things in high school and, you know, other things too, but I was like an artistic kid. I think, yeah, they saw that and they kind of, in some respects, like steered me away. And so when I was in high school, applying to college, I was looking at a variety of different schools and I was thinking about, you know, what if I go to art school? Like, what if I actually take this seriously? Cause like, I have this skill set right now and like, I should just run with it. Like I should just run and like take that skill set with me, like develop it and do that now. I remember having some of these conversations with my family and they're like totally steered me in a different direction like conversation at the dinner table with like my parents about how I shouldn't do that you're not going to art school so I ended up going to a polytechnic school for one year called Cal Poly San Luis Obispo I was like one of the very few black people I experienced more racism there than like like any other place in my life at that point and I was just like I need to get out of here like what am I doing here I don't even want to be here and I was like studying graphic design a little bit but I knew I knew what I wanted to do I knew I wanted to study experimental animation 
Well, this is so fascinating because I think a lot of people can relate to this moment, especially a lot of young people, especially someone who's artistically inclined. And that path of like what your family and well-meaning people nearest and dearest to you are saying, go the safe path. And by the way, safe is safe for them because Mm -hmm. they are familiar with that path. And it's not from a malicious place in any way. Oh, definitely It is simply because of saying, well, I... I love you, and I know how to advise you in this area. If you go this other way, I know nothing about that. Like, you'll be in the dark, I'll be in the dark, and it feels uncertain and unclear and, like, you know, all of that. And, you know, clearly we write about that in the show, and that's sort of kind of what happens with Amy early on in the pilot. But I want to talk about you're in Central California. You know this is Mm -hmm. not a right fit for you. You know it's not a right fit. Was there, like, you know, as Oprah says, an aha moment when you were like, oh, Tell us, tell us the awful moment. I want to hear it. Okay, cool. So now, you know, looking back at it as an adult and like having close relationships with my family members, I know they're just trying to help me and guide me in the direction they thought was best and good for me. But at the time when I was like in it, when I was at the school, I didn't really want to go to, I saw an experimental animation and it's made by this artist, Alison Shulnick. So shout out to Alison Shulnick because she's like one of my favorite artists and now one of my friends. But at the time, like I didn't know her and I've seen her stuff like in high school and it's always like been a light for me. Like when I've been going through a bad day, like watched her stuff. Like I watched her art, I watched her animation and she came out with this new film and I was like, this is exactly like what I want to do. This is the path I want to go in. This is my aha moment. You know, I need to figure out (laughs) where she went to school. And I found out that she like went to school and studied experimental animation at Cal Arts, which is like a school that I did a summer program at. So I was familiar with that school and I like had already told my parents I wanted to go there. So I started applying to the school. There was a sense in me that just knew there was like stronger than a gut feeling, stronger than a heart feeling. I knew I had to go there and I didn't apply to any other place. I would just like secretly applied to the school. Didn't tell anyone. Didn't tell my best friend, who's still my best friend. <laughs> I didn't tell her. Nobody. Let's see if I get in. Because I knew they had like a low acceptance rate. So I was like, I just might as well. But I took it really seriously. And I got recommendation letters from the right people. I filled out all my financial information without my parents knowing. I just like did a bunch of work to get to the school. Two things I hear in this. One is you talked about the artist, Allison. Every time you saw her work, it was like a light. Like a lighthouse, yeah. I know that feeling. When people ask me what they do, I say, follow the thing that like lights you up. Like if it lights you mm-hmm. up, that's the thing you're supposed to be doing, right? And I don't mean suppose and like you have to. It is your organic, heartfelt path to follow. And then I love the second part of what you shared, which is that then you kind of just like, I'm not telling anybody, I'm just going to do this on my own. Yeah. I know as a first-time writer, there were a lot of people, I didn't tell them I was writing a book. Yeah. I'm not going to dissipate this energy. I have to be laser-focused. And this is so heartfelt and so close to me. And by the way, if nothing ever comes of it, I don't want to have to be accountable and talk about this at a dinner party seven months from now or a year from now. Mm-hmm. I think I just need to hold this close. And that's, I think, wow. what you said. You were holding that dream very close to you. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Did you just like lose your mind when you got in? I lost my mind for some reason when I got in because I didn't know like I really didn't know I I put everything I had into it everything 
but then I did get in and for some reason I was so happy I just started staring at the sun I don't know why I did this but I start I just remember so clearly I was just like I'm gonna look at the sun right now I don't know why I did that but I was like ecstatic more light yeah more light. I guess so more light I don't know yeah it was I was just like jumping for joy on cloud nine because I knew I was gonna go there no matter who supported me if I had to pay my way through it I would do it funny story this year on April Fool's Day actually which is ridiculous I fell down some concrete steps and lacerated my dominant finger and my dominant hand open and I had to get surgery and I lacerated a bunch of nerves I was really bummed because I do so much with my fingers drawing specifically I knew I could regain music skills quicker because it's not as hard on that specific finger but drawing I've been having to practice and practice and practice to regain and to relearn like drawing just to come to the place that I was at but it just sucked because it was just like out of all fingers I happened to cut open this finger half of it is like numb it's forced me to not be as much of a perfectionist. And I think that's a really good thing. So the accident, something that was unforeseeable, mm-hmm. unwanted, clearly, has Definitely. come into your life. And mm-hmm. in the one area that you were a perfectionist, now you've taken on the task of maybe easing up on some of that and just trying to simply Definitely. regain the, I would say, dexterity to sort of do what you did before. So that's certainly a reset. I tried this thing out where I gave my life more structure and I asked my perfectionism more in my actual life and routine and all of that. So I could try to give more freedom to my art, which I feel like birthed something in me where I learned a doodle style. Like I just made a new style of doodling. Actually, you know what? It came alive and from scratch. I swear the line work that I was doing and from scratch, there's more freedom there, I think, than the art that I consider my art. I started doodling like a lot and sketching a lot, just letting go, seeing what comes out, like not even thinking about it, free drawing and not trying to draw anything specifically. Cause then if I draw something specifically, I might like get into this thing where I'm just like, ah, let's get it perfect. What is something that you would say in terms of the themes of your work? I mean, we've talked about the different mediums. We've talked about your approach, sort of the psychological approach to your work. Where you give yourself structure, where you give yourself freedom, where play fits in. Are there questions that you come back to over and over again in your work? And I'm thinking specifically, and I mean in all of your, the types of artistic endeavors that you engage in, but I'm specifically thinking of piece I saw on your Instagram page. It is of the bowels of the transatlantic slave ship. It's got mixed media. It's an installation. I mean, there was so much happening and it was both unlike and like other work that and I couldn't quite put my finger on as a viewer. I was seeing a part of Allegra that I thought, oh, this is a question she's asking mm-hmm. of herself and of the world. Totally. So with that piece specifically, I took this class my first year of CalArt called Blood on the Water. And Blood on the Water was a class of the transatlantic slave trade taught by this guy, Douglas Tierney, who's a wonderful poet really incredible, really incredible professor. On the first day of this class, Doug had everyone go under the tables of the classroom and lay down and lay down right next to another person, shoulder to shoulder, right next to this other person, like your knees are touching. And then he turned off the lights. 
little did we know that he took some people aside and told them to come back to the classroom and scream at the top of their lungs. So we we're under the, these tables right next to each other in the dark, people screaming for I think at least 10 minutes or something like that. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more. I don't know. The time didn't really make sense during that period for me. It was a really powerful class. So powerful that I found emotions that I've never discovered before. Because we did a lot of really, really dark AF reading about the transatlantic slave trade. I'm like specifically pretty knowledgeable about that slave trade now, not just because of the class, but because I revisited the readings from that class during the residency that I did. And there's this book called The Slave Ship that I just like devoured like all of it, even though we read sections of it in the class. I just like read the whole thing. It's really sad, really awful. And a lot of different things have stuck out to me about specifically this transatlantic slave trade that I think is really fascinating and terrible and fucked up. You know, I, I mean, I could say many more swear words about it, but it really awakened something in me. I could feel it in seeing the work. And it made me think about the artist who created that work, the sensibilities of that person, the perspective. And, you know, I, I know so much of art is about perspective. And I know you having a dual cultural, biracial identity, right, as a woman in the world, mm -hmm. you come mm -hmm. to the table with a perspective on things that people who don't have that configuration of both, you know, nuclear family, cultural landscape. I feel like I see that in your work. And I guess that's what I, my question when I said, is there something you're circling? Are you circling identity in your work? Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm definitely circling identity. And I feel like my more recent work has really focused a lot on that and focused a lot more on circling my own identity because the way I grew up, I think maybe unique to a lot of Black people or Black kids or I didn't grow up with a lot of Black people around me. I grew up kind of in this place where in pretty much everyone's education, history is totally whitewashed and totally kind of rewritten. And it wasn't until I was at CalArts where there's more diversity that I felt like I was really, how do I say this? Like I started to understand how capitalism and Blackness are connected in such a deep way. And I started to understand so much more about our history as Black people and how it's so linked to this moment. And in history classes in my elementary school or middle school or high school, the pictures of the civil rights movement are like in black and white to make it seem like it was like, wow, that happened so long ago. It's definitely not connected to today in any way. I started to dive into this awakening process. The idea of identity and in our work as artists is important. Mm -hmm. I think Definitely. for young people, whether you're an artist or not, I think any investigation of the things that matter to you and why they matter to you and not identity in a, you know, some people say all identity is political, you know, and of course you can mm -hmm. certainly look at it through that prism, but I'm thinking more of like, who am I at my core, right? Definitely. When I was really thinking about identity and looking in my own mirror racially and thinking about myself, there's one piece that I made that I feel like really depicts that for me. It's where I painted myself with, I'm like half black at the top and half white at the, the bottom of my face. Like I split my face into like my black side, and my white side and added a lot of blackberry and like a storm. I don't really know how to explain this with words, but I feel like in that piece, I really was centering like 
my identity in like a new way and looking at myself in a new way and looking at myself and understanding myself more because growing up as a mixed person, I feel like people are always like, you're either too black for the white people or too white for the black people. And like, you don't fit in in certain places. I remember certain family members, one specific family member who was like, Allegra, do you consider yourself white or black? Basically, you have to pick one. I remember being so turned off from that as a kid, like in such an intense way. And I think that relates a lot to why I don't really just pick one medium. Like I don't just pick music or I pick art. Cause like, you know, I've had teachers that have been like, just choose one. Like you do so much, like choose one way. My identity is a mixture. And I can't just be like, I'm just black because then that doesn't, I don't acknowledge like my privilege that I have growing up. You can't pick one, you know? Identity is definitely something I circle back to a lot in my art practice and definitely a little bit in my animation. But I feel like certain things that I make branch out to different ideas. And Sure. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I think what I hear in your response is the idea that you contain, as we say. Multitude. Yeah. Yeah. And so therefore, <laughs> you don't get to sort of reduce me down to any one thing. Definitely. I like that. I think we can all own that. Of course, I have to ask you this, Allegra. We ask people on set and people who have read the book email me and tell me often they share aspects of their life. And what it boils down to is everyone, it seems, has a from scratch moment, which is a moment when they're like, oh, my life is bending a different way. And I've got to either start over or reimagine the path forward. What's your from scratch moment? Oh my goodness. I'm excited to talk about this because it's such a big part of my life, such a huge part of my life. So I studied abroad my third year of CalArts. They have this wonderful program where we could study at this school called FAMU, which is this film school where a lot of my favorite filmmakers have gone. And I studied mainly film there because all of the animation classes were in Czech. I ended up meeting this person my first night when I was in the Czech Republic and then almost marrying this person twice. So this person met my mom and gave me a ring. His name is Petter, and we're still friends to this day. I just heard from him the other day. <laughs> we like shared this absolutely magical, life-changing experience together, and then came back a year later with some of my friends, my friend Leona, who I mentioned, and my other friend like got to meet this person. Then I got engaged again, but beyond that, I learned a lot about how to start from scratch when I was living in this new country. I mean, I had to start from scratch. Like I didn't know anybody there. And my first night there, I was staying at this Airbnb for a while. And the Airbnb hosts were like younger women and kind of like my age. And I like had just got in my first night and they're like, Allegra, come out with us. Come to this art show with us. And I was like, oh, I don't know, guys, I'm jet lagged. Maybe later, like maybe tomorrow or we can do something. And then they're like, they convinced me to go out with them. And I'm so happy I did because I met the gallery owner and she gave me a art show the next month. And the person that was showing their art, Petter, he was showing his pottery and he was talking about it in Czech and like kind of explaining to the group that was there, you know, his process and everything. Somebody's translating for me the Czech and they're saying like, okay, so he's talking about how he makes his clay from the mud from his forest and how he turns that into pots and everything, how he makes his glazes from crystals and rocks. And then he's talking about how he makes his kiln from scratch. And then he's also talking about how he makes his paint with pigment, like cobalt and all these different pigments. 
I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. Like, I've never seen anything like this in America. Like everybody buys their own kiln, buys their own clay, buys their own glazes, all this stuff. Like nobody, who makes this stuff from scratch? And like, it's just very different over there because of their history in that country. I met a lot of people, a lot of people there that make stuff from scratch. I learned how to make shoes from scratch. It's so cool because I had a shoemaker guy that like makes all these shoes named Otto. Shout out Otto. <laughs> but yeah, I ended up kind of, you know, like falling in love with this person, living with them. And he taught me so many different things and like told me a lot about the history of the country during totalitarian times before the Iron Curtain fell. Like you couldn't just go out and buy a kiln. You couldn't just go out and like buy a specific type of shoes or whatever. Like everything was no, very- you, you, you used your resources very, 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 very judiciously, very intentionally. And yeah. you had to be imaginative, right? Oh, totally. And so sometimes constraint yields the most beautiful art <laughs> the constraint of time the constraint of of materials because then we're really hard pressed with our imagination as humans to say okay what do i want and what can i make from this place oh my gosh allegra i had no idea we had Literally. these close connections these similarities thank you for sharing that talk about a from scratch moment wow oh definitely it was a from scratch like year or two <laughs> i was there for a while who or what has lifted you most when you needed it? I would definitely say music. Music has lifted me out of dark places and has like helped me arrive. I think, you know, all of us, like we all have connections to music. And I'm thinking of like several instances, whether it be like just listening to something I love or discovering new music or playing music, like making music playing my instruments <laughs> like I got COVID during holidays and we're all getting the Omicron you know a lot of people are getting the Omicron variant and I was so sad because I couldn't go home the last couple of years because COVID and everything and I was like oh I'm gonna go home this time and I like really needed it because I was working on this big project at the time and I was like I need to see my family and so I just pulled up my accordion <laughs> and just like learned all of these new songs and like felt so much better like so much better and I could say like people that have lifted me out of like dark times like my best friend Leona who I've known since we were in middle school we love, we love <laughs> like, a reliable friend who will lift so you wonderful. shout out to Leona shout out to Leona yes and she's she's brilliant she's like getting her PhD right now and she's like so passionate about what she's doing she cares about her friends more than anything I just don't know what I would do without her you know I, I'd be a different person yeah music and friendship Music and friendship mm -hmm. as things that lift Cheesy you. Cheesy as it is, but... No, it's great. It's <laughs> wonderful. I'm going to just spend our last little bit of time. I want to talk a little bit about From Scratch and specifically episode 104, which you may or may not remember, but in episode 104, Amy gets her job at the Watts Towers, right? And we were very mm -hmm. intentional about wanting to have the Watts Towers in our show because of Simon Rodia, who is Italian, who worked in Watts, and what that art center adjacent to the towers means to the community. And I learned that you've spent time working there for a little bit, right? Yeah, I've subbed there for the program that I work for, which is called Community Arts Partnership and also goes by Sony Pictures Media Arts Program. Yeah, it's going to be my ninth year. Yeah. And then also in episode 104, we get to see for the first time, Amy's art is in Lino's restaurant. So there are two worlds, mm -hmm. there are two crafts as artists right, come together. So he's lifted this restaurant. La Isola is, is on the map. He has this beautiful opening night. Mm -hmm. And 
Amy's art is all over the walls. And I love that set that was designed. I love the work that you did in that show, in that particular episode. And for me, it was so beautiful to see the merging of those two worlds, right? Visually on screen. Definitely. Was there any part of Amy? I mean, you've talked some about what you could relate to in her early struggles to choose mm -hmm. the path of art, but were mm -hmm. there struggles that you could relate to on screen as she's depicted as a painter where she's trying to find her medium? Did you ever struggle to find your medium or have you always been like, I'm gonna try everything and everything and it will be what it will be? Daily, I mean, I feel like I struggle to find my medium daily, like on a different scale. I feel like I related so much to Amy trying to find her voice and find her medium. It was really interesting, really an amazing, unique experience to make her art, to kind of think of her voice and think of where she's at, to see her growth and to express that through my own painting. I feel like she feels a connection to the paint and sand paintings and she feels connection to that physical pigment. I want to say thank you so much because for listeners out there who've seen the show with Allegra, we would just kind of give you like, hey, this is the zone she's in at this stage in her life. This is the medium she's interested in. Here's some inspiration artists that she's into. And then you were kind of, in a way, this like almost avatar in real life for like what she was going through. You then would like get these like random facts and then kind of go interpret them and then create this art. And then we would get it on set and be like, yep, that's it. That's where she is now, you know? Aww. And so thank you for that for being with us in the unknown. I like to talk a lot about the value of being in the unknown often because there can be such magic that happens there. So thank you for being in the unknown with us as we were oh, totally. making the series. And I guess my final question for you will be, is there something from your work on this show, something you learned from the experience of From Scratch that you will take with you going mm. forward? Wow, I feel like I learned a lot. I feel like just even being part of this experience and being part of the art team. Just the fact that that happened taught me so much. I feel like specifically, you know, when we're talking about perfectionism, we're talking about how I loosened up more when I added more structure to my life and then started doodling and incorporated a lot of the style that I learned when I was freeing myself up. I incorporated that a lot in Amy's artwork. I gave Amy the style that I hadn't really shown the world yet you know or I hadn't shown the world how I've made things and so like I feel like Amy got a piece of of me but in like a way that's so beautiful and couldn't have gone to a better production <laughs> in any sense of the word like I'm so proud that the piece is my heart and piece of who I am like is there in the show. Allegra, thank you so, so much. You are an absolute delight and a joy and an incredible talent, but also a really curious person and a good sport. <laughs> I think, you know, and what I mean by that is like, you've kind of got a, a spirit about you that is like, all right, I'm going to go with that. I'm game for that. There is a value in approaching life that way. And I like that you've shared with us today what lifts you, the things that lift you, that are your joy, that are your light, in the hopes that people listening will see themselves in your story and find their own light in the things that lift them. So thank you so much for this Definitely. conversation. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for what comes next for you, Tumby, and 
I couldn't be happier that I've been a part of from scratch. I could go on and on about how much it means to me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Allegra gave me a lot to think about, about perfectionism, and also how when we give our lives more structure, it can actually create a beautiful freedom in our artistic spaces and in artistic endeavors. That is something I'll never forget. Lifted is developed, written, and produced by me and my one-woman producing team, Salia Cates. It is edited by Jamie Moss. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned for our next inspiring episode.